tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Rumor Show. I am Dan, and I have Hartley in person. Yes. So isn't that quite a treat for those of you who are creeping on YouTube? If you're listening, <laughs> this is just going to be a normal uh, experience, except for maybe less awkward delays. Yes. But uh, yeah, I've had the last few days spent with the entire Mac Rumors team, so we're able to uh, record a few episodes. So if you see another episode in the future and it doesn't quite make sense, well, I apologize in advance, yeah. but... Um, yeah, let's jump right into our first topic of the week, which is the best news ever. Yeah, it's a big news. Really unexpected. Yeah. I mean, how jam-packed is WWDC going to be that they dropped Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro for the iPad? Something that I have been wanting for a while. A lot of other creative people have wanted for a while. Obviously, a lot of people have wanted if Apple went out and actually did this, um, and they dropped it on a random Tuesday press release, yeah. like, and both together um, yeah. at the same time. Um, not at an event, really an intriguing move, but it, it just suggests that WWDC must be very full on, which obviously we are expecting because of the headset. Yeah, um, and th- there's got to be a headset link here, right? So this is one thing that Mark Gurman has been saying, um, which is that because um, XROS can run iPad apps that this is effectively Final Cut and Logic for the headset. How's that going to work? In two, it, would, it, would work, it would work in 2D space. Okay. So um, it, it, to me, that has always seemed like a little bit of a strange thing with the headset mm-hmm. where effectively it's just floating iPad apps for, for 2D experiences. Obviously, there will be those 3D experiences, but I guess it's just because... I, you will want to have some basic stuff like your reminders app and your calendar. Like, there's not any advantage to having those in a 3D format, and you don't really need Final Cut to be 3D. That can be a just a 2D surface in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if it can scale to be bigger, it would it would be better than on the iPad because on an iPad it would be you know maximum 12.9 inches at the moment, but on the headset it could be way bigger. Just trying to imagine like editing with the headset on. Am I just like squeezing in, like trying to zoom in on the timeline? Like, how do you cut my chop in to cut yeah. things? Like, what's going on? Well, it'd be interesting to see if there's some unique headset specific gestures. Yeah. Um, but I would have thought, based on what Mark Gurman has said before about input mechanisms, that it literally would be keyboard and mouse in much the same way that you can use keyboard and mouse on the iPad for Final okay. Cut. Because there's these key commands as well in Final Cut are supported. Oh. So you would want to take advantage of those on the headset, I assume. Yeah, so we'll jump back into Final Cut on the iPad first here. Um, basically, it is full-fledged Final Cut, just brought down to uh, iPad scales, and then obviously it's set up for touch input. Um, but also, if you have a Magic Keyboard, Smartfolio Keyboard, which is what Apple highlighted in the press release, but any Bluetooth keyboard, I yeah. would imagine, is going to work just fine. Um, you can still take 
advantage of all of the same, I'm guessing, shortcuts. I can't imagine they would change anything. Yeah. It's going to be the same keyboard commands. They did change a few things. Um, the inspector window is in a different location. There's different, you know, just a few things in the UI is a little bit different. Um, some of the modes, like multi-camera, is like a tab on the bottom left corner, I believe. And so, yeah, they did bring multi-angle or multi-cam mode, so you can sync up to four videos or, yeah, four streams. Um, then they announced a couple of new features that were perplexing, like pro camera mode. Yes. Is that not going to be coming to the iPhone then? That just, like, my immediate thought is, all right, this is going to be iOS 17's big thing. Or do you think it's going to be later on as a feature with the pro cameras for the iPhone? Part of me wonders if eventually there will be uh, maybe as part of this subscription, some dedicated pro camera app. Oh, you think so? Like, like develop a, a new app, like a Final Cut um, uh, add-on app for iPhone potentially. Because I feel if they were going to put this in the native camera app, they would have just gone ahead and enabled this mode in the native camera app um, mm. on the iPad. So it would suggest to me a little bit like well, how no, you because could get Logic Remote on the iPad. But with this, the the appeal is also you can record and it just directly inputs yes. to the timeline so i can see it being a different like camera ui a little bit yes for final cut pro but yeah i mean this has to come to the iphone right i think it's inevitable especially considering that the ipad's camera hardware just does not hold up to the the pro iphones um it's always trailing it by you know three or four years i mean there have been android phones that have had pro modes forever yeah so. and, and you can do great stuff with you know, third-party apps. Yeah. Um, but if you want that immediate to timeline uh, function, I think it would make sense for there to be some sort of dedicated app, much like Logic Remote. I don't know if you ever you if you ever use that. I haven't. Um, but it's a little app that you can download on your iPad. Um, I think it's also on iPhone as well that enables you to directly input to Logic on your Mac, mm. and it it connects. Oh um, no, no, I've used that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really it's it's a really neat um, little tool because it gives you multi-touch for logic. Of course, now we do have full logic on the iPad as well. Yeah, which we'll touch on in just a second. But um, yeah, so the pro camera mode, that's cool. I mean, like you're able to adjust aperture, white balance, all of that stuff, make custom controls way more than what you get in the regular camera UI. So again, I'm guessing that will come to the iPhone sooner than later now. Um, but another thing is there's Apple Pencil support. Yes. That's kind of a big thing. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind and that Apple showed off is that you can write text directly onto your videos, which is actually super helpful. I've used Procreate in the past to create like little mini animations for like calling things out in handwriting style. Um, and so I'd have to go in the Procreate app, record that, write those in, import it, and then place it. In, like this, you just do it directly into your timeline, directly on the editor itself. So that's pretty cool. And it supports Apple Pencil Hover as well, mm -hmm. um, which enables some interesting functionality in terms of actually uh, being able to interact um, more deeply with your timeline mm -hmm. uh, before actually making those interactions. So I think it's taking Final Cut in a much more interesting direction. And you've got this digital jog wheel as well, which I think is yeah. a, a really interesting implementation for reimagining how Final Cut would work on the iPad. Because this was always the big question. Mm -hmm. You couldn't just take Final Cut from the Mac and just put it on the iPad. You would have to make specific, um, very specific changes. And this must have been developed completely from the ground up. 
Yeah, um, which we were all just cool with, like, bring the Mac yeah. app over and don't even have specific features. Yeah. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there are specific features for the Apple Pencil. It's not just used as, like, a stylus. There are things you can do at the Pencil Hover, as you just mentioned. Um, so when you are hovering over, like, your timeline, per se, you're scrubbing through, you're getting, you know, for those of you who use the mouse kind of scroll where it, like, automatically plays audio as you're moving with it, um, you can turn that off. I usually do. But this is a good way with the Pencil. You can kind of scrub through it without actually touching your iPad. Um, and so, yeah, those are some useful features. There's machine learning features, which I would imagine could come to an update to the Mac. Yeah. Because I'm it's just taking advantage of Apple Silicon, which are all in the Macs anyways. But those features for now on iPad are the scene removal mask. So basically it's like the a beefier version of dedicate or removing the subject from the background. Yes. Like how you would just press and hold. You could basically do that on any video without using a green screen. Um auto cropping for uh adjusting to vertical. Which yes. is and that, that's particularly useful on an iPad. Yeah. You can really imagine that just chopping a, a video up, even if you perhaps did your bigger projects on a Mac, you can imagine for little quick videos you're trying to churn out for social media. That's that the iPad is really uh, a great device for that sort of thing. This episode of the Mac Rumor Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Everyone knows the economy could be better, and so saving money is at a premium. It's actually quite possible to save a bit of money with ExpressVPN by cutting back on subscription services. Let me explain how. See, all of these streaming services like Netflix actually have thousands of more shows than you think. You just don't see them all because they give you different shows depending on your country. So what you see on Netflix here in the US is completely different to what someone in Italy or South Korea sees. But using the ExpressVPN app, I can change my online location, and ExpressVPN has over 90 countries to choose from, so every time I run out of stuff to watch, I just switch to another country to unlock some new shows. So if I wanted to watch The Office, which is not available here in the US, I can hop on ExpressVPN and change my location to something like Canada, and boom, all of the seasons of The Office are there. That saves me a lot of money on subscription prices, so now I don't need to get Peacock in order to watch The Office. And on top of that, I can even use ExpressVPN to get discounts. Some services cost less in other countries. For example, if you bought Netflix from Argentina, it costs a fraction of the price. At less than $7 a month, ExpressVPN pays for itself and so much more. It's a no-brainer. So if you want to get more shows and save money while you're at it, go to expressvpn.com Mac. Don't forget to use my link so you can get three extra months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Mac. Expressvpn.com slash Mac to learn more. I don't know. I don't like sync my photo library to my Mac because it just takes up so much space and I just want nothing to do with my photos on my Mac. Uh, but on my iPad, I mean, I could just open up the Photos app. So how easy was it to just, I mean, for one, you can use your iPad camera to film a short uh, in vertical and then just immediately import it into the timeline or, you know, airdrop or whatever. And you can kind of just do all of your social media like videos that way. Or like you said, if you're working on a bigger project, now you bring it down, hit that button, which needs to be something that comes to the, to the, to the main app too. Yes. A lot of other applications are doing this. This is my, uh, my suspicion and it is just pure speculation. Okay. Um, which is, it is still final cut 10 on the Mac, isn't it? E no, they did remove, I think they removed the, they removed the X a little right. while ago. But this is but Final Cut on the Mac is not a subscription model. It is a it is a one-time purchase. And I wonder if 
the iPad app will over time get more and more functionality that the one-time purchase Mac app doesn't get. And then Apple presents um, a subscription version of Final Cut that they present as a big new sort of redesigned version of Final Cut for the Mac. And then that's rolled into the same yeah. subscription service because I don't think it's sustainable to be having a one-time purchase on the Mac um, in, in this way. So maybe we'll get some of these iPad tools. Maybe they'll get them to parity at this initial sort of launch level. Um, but later down the line, I wouldn't be surprised if the days of Final Cut being a one-time purchase on the Mac are limited. And this is like a trial run for it, right? It's to get people used to it. If people like Final Cut on the iPad and get used to um, you know, paying $5 a month for it or $49 a year, um, then you're a lot more likely to accept that on the Mac. We'll touch on that in a minute because that's the big yes. That's the big catch. Um, but not really. I don't know. You know how I was like really yeah. genuinely scared of this happening, and you brought it up, and I was like, "Don't, don't. Why give them ideas?" Yeah. Well, you gave them the idea. Uh, I'm guessing they already had this idea. But um, real quick, so another feature is voice is voice isolation to remove background noise easily. Uh, huge. I mean, why is that not something that's super easy to do on the Mac app? Again, you know, we'll uh, we'll touch on that. But it, it does look like you can import your motion. Like if you use Motion VFX graphics and plugins, it does look like that will work on the iPad. I'm just not sure if it's going to be right away at launch. Yes, and it may be conditional, and some plugins yeah. may or may not work. Motion VFX actually tweeted that like Apple used some of their stuff in the like presentation so it seems as if that's going to be something but i don't know about like fx factory or all the other you know third-party plugins but um that will eventually make its way and then you just you know you have the rest of your graphics effects and audio stuff so it's a full-fledged app and it's going to be something that i'm excited to try out but now the big bummer is they went to a subscription price and this is like one of the first like standalone subscription apps yes. right that's not well, it's not a service as such. Right. It's um, like an actual app that you need to use, yes. not like Apple Music or something like um, that. But it doesn't bother me because I think if you're if you're using Final Cut, chances are you are using it to make money. You're using it as a creator. It's it's used professionally. Um, it's not iMovie. And so on that basis, it seems reasonable that you you pay for that that tool. And also, even if you don't really want to think about what's reasonable, there is an advantage to a subscription model from the consumer standpoint, which is that the, well, Apple will have more vested interest in iterating on it over time because that definitely has not always been the case with Final Cut for the Mac. Yeah. Um, and there is no way that bugs can be allowed to linger on a subscription app in the same way that they can on a one-time purchase app. Yeah, because you just un, you just wouldn't use it anymore. You wouldn't pay for yeah. it. And it needs to stay competitive because as there are you know, other apps, um, video editing apps on the iPad, which is definitely a, a growing space. We have seen that expand in the last couple of years. If those apps are getting features and Final Cut isn't, people will just move over. So I, I do understand the subscription model. Um, I think it's I think it's reasonable. Um, but yeah, it will possibly take a little bit of time before we actually get that on the Mac. I mean, it is only four ninety nine. I don't think it's outrageously priced. No. I think they could have got away with charging more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, they, they could have gotten away with charging more for the Mac app. I paid yes. $300 like 10 years ago yeah. and I have definitely made up for that and then some times a lot in the amount of like jobs and work that I've gotten and freelance like it paid for itself so many times that like Apple was definitely losing a lot of money there so I mean well maybe the price will go up I mean I wouldn't speak too soon uh you know just to get people interested 
right away. Yeah, I mean, they already moved it to subscription. So yeah. at this point, I'm just expecting the worst on all fronts. But I mean, I'm going to have to keep paying for it because, well, I need it. So would you consider moving your almost your whole workflow over to the iPad? No. Why? File management. Okay. Larger display. What about when there is a larger iPad? So we're expecting something like a, I think it's a 14.1 or 14.2 inch iPad mm -hmm. um, in the next couple of years. Uh, and later down the line, you know, we're expecting foldable iPads, larger displays. We've been hearing about these for years. And this stuff, obviously, I, it seems to me like this is with, a, with Apple's got their mind set on these large devices and they want those pro apps ready um, so that if you, if you can quite enjoy using Final Cut on a 12.9-inch iPad, when there is a 14-inch version, you think, okay, now is the time to fully move over. Mm, on a daily basis, I use a 32-inch display. Right, but then you've got external display support. That's the thing, so we got to so, we got to see how well yeah. that. I mean, right now it's totally yes. unusable for a daily you know workflow. But I don't know. There's I've seen so many people be negative about this too. Like I, you know, call me a skeptic, but like I don't see why anyone would want to edit on a small iPad. I don't think 12.9 inches is very small. Like it's not that much. I mean, I don't know. I'm using a 14 inch Mac right now. Like yeah. it, it, I can make this work. It's fine. Yes. Um, the advantages are the features using Apple Pencil. Like there are more features that are a little bit more intriguing. It might be a little bit faster and more intuitive to edit on. I think it would just be a more like lightweight direct mm -hmm. experience. You'll feel like you're getting less bogged down with menus and settings. So that's the thing. It could 1000% be my workflow for traveling. Like right. that's why I've wanted it so much is because, you know, when I travel and make a video, it's not anything too crazy or too in depth. It's a pretty basic edit. And so I can easily transfer the footage, edit off the iPad, and that's my main machine now for being on a plane, watching content, or in the hotel and watching content, uh, writing up scripts, editing a video, and I don't need to bring this and this, which is what I did for this trip. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I think that it has its place. And there are lots of um, other just iPad creator, like, users only. And so this is like help, like they only use iPads as their main machine for things. Yes. So like, I don't know, you can't, if you're a Mac user who uses it, it might not be for you if you're not understanding why yeah. you would need it. But maybe it's also, it's, it's for maybe a new generation of creators, like you say, that yeah. are becoming more uh, iPad focused. Um, and as much as some of us do endlessly complain about the iPad, more and more people are using the iPad as their main computer every year. Um, that's becoming more and more a viable possibility. So it will be interesting to see with iPadOS 17 what iterations there will be to things like Stage Manager um, and you know, even just to the file system and file navigation that bring it up to that level. I feel every year we're getting very slightly closer and it's a, it's a clumsy process. It's a messy process, especially you know, Stage Manager is a case in point. Um, but now we have got these pro apps. I think a lot of people can start to take the iPad a little bit more seriously because Apple has finally put their money where their mouth is. I think that's what it is. It's like you're calling this an iPad Pro, but your main core Pro apps that you make that people want to use on it, you didn't offer. So now you are offering it. That's where it's like, okay, this is exciting. And also, I could fully get rid of this laptop. Like, I don't think I would ever get rid of my desktop and because I, I like being a desktop user. Yes. Um, and so like I have this laptop and I have a desktop, but I primarily use the desktop. And then this is for travel or when I'm at home, I could get rid of this completely. Only go from the office with my iPad or when I travel with my iPad. And if there are a few things that it 
does well. And obviously it doesn't come out till May 23rd. So that's another thing, $4.99 or 50 bucks a year, however you want to do it. Um, and it comes out May 23rd. So I don't know how well it works, but if it works just as well as the Mac app and it doesn't slow me down in terms of like figuring out where things are and just, if I can just hop on, edit a video like I normally would, and maybe there's a few things I got to locate, but for the most part, it works the same. The plugins that I use work. And if I can edit directly off of my SSD without it being in, you know, like a painful process. I thought you would be able to. Like, I want to be able to set up a library from Final Cut Pro and make that the saved location yeah, is directly you, you on my SSD. You definitely I figured you could, but yeah. you never know. Um, yeah. And like the files app kind of stinks. So like mm -hmm. if there's a great way to do that to where it's not annoying, I, I would completely switch from a mobile workflow. Yes. Desktop will remain the same. Well, it would be surprising if you actually enjoy editing on the iPad more. Then I could make, yeah. It could be because if it's this has been designed from the ground up and it does feel more like a more direct experience, that, that is a possibility, mm -hmm. I feel like, um, especially with some of these extra tools. If you feel like being able to use Apple Pencil and this digital jog wheel and some of these utilities that just are not available in the Mac app, especially if they don't come to the Mac app for a while. What's the... What's the uh, display feature, continuity, whatever, where you can drag. Oh, um, you can use uh, universal control. That's it. I thought it was con universal control. Yeah. How does that play into effect now too? Like, because I typically I have like an L-shaped desk, so I have my iPad on the short side and then the desktop on the bigger side. If I was working on like Final Cut project here, like how well do the libraries sync? Like, are they going to start getting into? That's the other thing that really like piques my interest because DaVinci has like a mobile like cloud yeah. syncing system but are they the same projects so I know there's some sort of it, it supports export from one to the other but I don't know if you could run the same we need to be an xml file right I, I don't know either and so those are the things that I'm like really looking forward to finding out but if they can somehow figure out a make way to make like a cloud based login based like library so that you can easily jump from things and all you need is the original media files in some way. I think it's that you can create projects uh, on the iPad and then export them to be on the Mac. But I don't know if you can freely move, move from one to the other. Yeah, um, because I assume they're, they're, they're compiled in a different way. Um, so that, that may be a little bit of a drawback. Yeah, because you know how you can like use your magic keyboard on your Mac or on your... Um, iPad to control stuff on your yes. Mac. Could I use my Apple Pencil? Well, let's see, that's not possible. I'm, I'm just trying to think of ways but that it could work together. Maybe this is one of the things that will come when the right. Mac eventually gets a, you know, a, a major update and maybe a subscription model is at that point, maybe you can edit across both. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's, I feel like there, it's inevitable that there will be this list of features uh, that are sort of building up that we will, we will sense that something is coming for the Mac. Yeah. Um, and that would make sense if, they, if they've re-engineered how a Final Cut project is compiled for the iPad and that is a newer, um, it, it's based on newer technologies and it's faster um, and smaller and, and, and whatever it may be, if it's more efficient, then that would make sense that that is at the basis of a new Mac app. Also, they did Logic Pro. I don't want to like leave them out, but yes. I'm more excited from a yes. video standpoint. Even yes. though I literally went to college for music production, yes. used Logic as my main thing, I am excited for those who use this on a regular basis, and I'm excited to like mess around with it for sure. Um, but yeah, you also, if you're a you know an engineer, an audio engineer, um, a producer, you can literally create your projects on the go. Like that's that's also really cool in the sense that like if you're a band that's traveling. 
and you record all of your own music and you use logic, you could legitimately have like your iPad as your main yeah. machine, take up very little space, record a full album in your van on the way to a show or something. Like that's crazy these days. And you can plug everything directly into the iPad mm -hmm. um, and you've got digital plugins. Apple's got a bunch of effect plugins that will be available at launch. Um, so you really could do an end-to-end -end workflow for Logic. I actually think it possibly will be easier with Logic than Final Cut. I feel with Final Cut, that maybe will be a little bit more of a learning curve. Mm -hmm. People that are so used to using it um, on the Mac. But what makes me convinced of that is because GarageBand on the iPad for so many years was so far ahead um, in, in, in a lot of the, the things that they had, features that they had built into the app on the iPad compared to the Mac. And then it, it was actually the case that they were bringing the logic for the Mac up to spec with the iPad, um, even though that was just GarageBand. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it could be even more useful um, logic. I think that possibly could convince more creators. It just depends on how well, uh, well, I guess it's the M2 chip in the most recent uh, iPads would actually be able to handle very, very large logic pro, uh, projects and a huge number of plugins. Because that's very demanding. It also just looks more user-friendly. Yes. Like it looks like it's, like I, I think anyone who uses this as a true professional and makes albums, like you're going to be totally fine with it. But for me, someone who's looking at that and who's also used the Mac app, I'm like, this looks and feels a little bit easier to like, because it's been so many years since I've used it. And so I've lost all of my knowledge. I've been Final Cut for you know, the last decade or so, um, that when I do jump back into logic and try to mess around and record some stuff, like I'm like, I don't remember half of this stuff. So this just seems a little bit more user-friendly. Um, there's a couple of new UIs that they offered, like the beat making UI. Yes. That's a super popular way to make music these days. So they made a full fledged, you know, window for that. Um, you still get your pro mixer, so you don't have to worry about that. You can add in all your plugins and stuff. So, and there's a new browser to like, yeah, Add an asset. I mean, it just it just seems easier to use, and it does support. Um, Logic is the one that does support transfer between the Mac and the iPad. Okay, um, so they better do that for Final Cut. I, I, it's it's odd that it's available for Logic um, and not for Final Cut, but possibly it's because you could always kind of do this with like GarageBand and Logic um, between the, the Mac and the and the iPad. So I assume they're they're simpler than very complicated video. Um, files yeah i don't know i think i think i would much rather have instead of just like being able to transfer between i would much rather have some sort of like login cloud-based library yeah. uh, da vinci really set the bar for me because i think that's so cool like my project file is there everything that i need is there i can edit every, even if you don't have the original files you can still like make edits to it you just can't export or anything but like if you're in a quick pinch if your editors across the country or something and you're working with them like you can make those changes and then they can finish out or if you have a nas system or use cloud storage for your files like i don't need to travel around with an ssd anymore for the most part um i can just do everything cloud-based you know, internet speeds kind of run into an issue yeah, there, but... But I think that's more plausible now because when we were having this discussion even a few weeks ago, it seemed like Apple has Apple, Apple checked out a little bit from these pro apps. And so the chance of um, really big new features like that were very unlikely. But now I feel like in WWDC a year from now, two years from now, announcing some sort of creative um, uh, iCloud features, um, you know, maybe this is the start of even a number of creative subscription services. 
a little bit like in the Adobe. You're so subscriptioned out though. <laughs> no, but it, you can you can see it how maybe you get like Logic and Final Cut and all these things are available on a subscription basis, and then you've got the cloud like iCloud Pro, whatever, mm -hmm. something like that, and then you can get like an Apple One bundle with it. You you can see it. It's it's just mirroring Adobe, but yeah. maybe just very slowly. I mean, this is just speculative, but these things are. Now, my point is, these things are now possible and more plausible than perhaps they were a few weeks ago when it seemed like this was still not something that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we even asked Mark Kerman when we had him just a few weeks ago, and he was like, mm, I, I mean, I could see it happening at some point, but I just don't think it's going to be right now. Or, you know, he just wasn't totally sure. And this just came out of nowhere, like insane. So And so close to WWDC as well. Right. So that that's why we're kind of speculating in the sense of like, well, WWDC has to be jam-packed if like what would be kind of a marquee feature for some people in the crowd might this be like whoa the biggest things last year he, he, yeah last. oh definitely and now they're like eh, press release tuesday yeah. figure it out and of course we're on this little mac rumors retreat yes and we're expecting very little to no news really yes. that you need to drop everything for it was, and a, it was a very panicked morning i'm making a video morning. on it in my yeah my bedroom <laughs> so yeah uh that is apple's final cut Pro and Logic Pro for iPad release. Um, and there are a few other things going on this week. Do you want to touch on Google I.O. just briefly? Because that's like yeah, sure. set to happen in about two hours. Um, so really the big thing, we don't know 100% like details on everything because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, but by the time you listen to this, it's already been official. Um, but Google, like I love Google when they do this. They just tease, they they just release it themselves. Yeah. Everything of theirs leaks so far in advance that they're just like, you know what? Fine. If you're going to spoil it, then here it is. Um, and so they did that, what, like last week? They said on May 4th, they called it May the Fold Be With You. And they showed off their uh, their Pixel Fold. Um, I know you're not in that space as much as I might no. be. But but it's, it's intriguing because I'm sure Apple is watching closely. Well, this is the next biggest U.S based ish you know samsung is obviously also in korea but like you know they are a major player in the u.s and google is also a major tech player in the u.s and that's the the next one to offer any sort of folding device and ostensibly apple apple ostensibly google is trying to deliver a more apple-like experience right with pixel that's that's sort of the uh, the USP that you get Android, but in something that feels vaguely familiar in terms of software updates, in terms of the way that it's got a distinctive um, styling and uh, an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that Apple is is watching closely. Um, I mean, we're not expecting a foldable iPhone for some years now. Um, we're know. expecting a foldable iPad or some sort of notebook first, a large um, display much more expensive device to kind of test the market. Um, so I think that the current rumors <laughs> off the top of my head are around 2027 for a foldable. So iPhone. long. But it, but it is, but it also isn't. I mean, it's it's three years-ish. Um, yeah. So I still think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think the phones are popular. I think they're more popular than people think. I've seen random people in the streets using Galaxy Folds, mostly the flip, that form factor. That's the one I would like. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm more skeptical of like the the book fold out mm -hmm. style, which is what I believe the the Pixel Fold is. It is, yeah. Um, I am a fan of both. I think I lean more towards the book, just so that I can like have a larger display to watch well, it's, stuff. It's a little bit like iPad Mini like, so that's the thing that would draw me to that. But like, what if it was you know very similar to an e-reader, and the Books app got like a major redesign, yeah, and, then, and then, then I would be haters to you readers yeah. out there, and like. 
I know they just brought the page turn animation back. Yeah, so <laughs> it could get crazy. But like, I just want Apple to, to, I, I, I feel like I would personally use a folding device more if it was my phone and I want to stay in iOS. So it, to me, it just makes sense to be a iPhone fold of some sort. Um, and my other main phone that I like to carry on the Android side of things is the Pixel because it has an incredible camera. I still think it's it's right up there with Apple's. So I feel like it's a little bit better when it comes to photos, videos, not really, but when it comes to photos, I think it takes better photos than than an, pretty much any phone out there. And so now to have a foldable phone yeah. that I'm guessing we don't know the specs, but I am guessing the cameras will still be just as good as the Pixel. Uh, 7 Pro. I'm going to guess it's probably going to have the same cameras. I don't think they're going to introduce flagship specs for this year for these cameras. I could be totally wrong. I would imagine they'd save it for the 8 Pro. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what it's all about. I mean, it looks cool. I know some people are kind of upset about the bezels. The bezels are a little large. Um, But I think there were a lot of people who use folds were like, no, this is actually good. It's a little bit easier to hold without accidental you know, touching and stuff. So um, it's not hideous, but I think it looks good. I like that it's a little bit more like chunky and wide. Yes, it's a little bit more of a square form factor, whereas uh, Samsung's are very elongated. It's like the Oppo, the Find. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, that, that that's my favorite folding form factor of the year by far. And so now there's in a you know like an American version that we can use basically. Um, I I'm all for it. And then there's also rumors, excuse me. There are also rumors of a pixel seven a, which I think is always the best budgetary device for the most part, because you're getting incredible cameras. You're getting good hardware um, and good software for a pretty reasonable price. Although there have been rumors that the price tag for the seven a might actually be bumped up. I was seeing like $600, which I feel like is kind of a mistake. I don't think it can be to like, standard iphone territory that it can't be because even like this the the pixel 7 was only like 699 i think or five i think it was right around 600 bucks so it can't i feel like that leak and rumor that i saw was not true but we'll find out in a couple hours i guess but uh yeah we usually compare the pixel 7a to the you know iphone se and we'll do that again this year um and i i always tend to prefer the pixel 7a i just feel like it feels fresh compared to the se Yes, which has yeah. a stagnant, you know. But then it's an ecosystem thing with the SE. You're not buying the iPhone SE if it's hardware. You're buying it just because you want an iPhone. So it's a, it's that Apple's playing a little bit of a different game there. I totally understand the SE and why it exists and why I, I would recommend it to people. But the design is still so outdated that it just gets me but, every but time. Some, but it's not it's not meant for you because it's meant, I know it's meant for people that. Uh, have been very used to a home button for a long time and don't want to have this. But you're not even getting a full HD display and you can't look me in the eyes and tell me that budgetary, like one-off brands that you've never heard of can make a phone for 300 bucks and at least include a, a 1440 screen. These exist. There are displays that are better. But the, the, it's, I don't think it's really the device's purpose. It's not a specs-based device. It's it, it, the people that buy it are not concerned about specs. I know, I know, I know. So therefore, it's it's meant for something different. Um, I, I it doesn't the SE doesn't bother me. I think that eventually they are obviously going to have to get rid of the home button. Eventually, they will have to. You know, whether we actually even see the iPhone SE four is now a whole other discussion. Oh, it's not rumored for twenty twenty four anymore. 
Well, I mean, at this point, I've almost lost track of the rumors because it's yeah. been on, then off, and then is it going to be the first device that has Apple's custom modem? And uh, is it based on the iPhone 14? Um, it, there's so many rumors flying around about it at this point. Um, if it is coming, it's probably not for a while, at least. Yeah. Well, we'll find out later today as Google I.O. is also, um, you know, again, set to happen in a couple of hours. And you know, they, this is their WWDC. So we'll obviously see, uh, I don't know what, what were we on now? Is it 14 Android 14? I don't know. 15. I, mean, I don't remember. Android is not, is not. Yeah. Great. It doesn't have big leaps as it used to. Um, but you know, there's going to be some more material you, whatever it's called, um, updates. And so I, I, I just, I love updates to software and Google does a really good job with its software. Um, and they show off some really cool features in the past. Like the, the phone call screening is yeah. something I still wish we get on an iPhone. Um, even their recorder app, like, have you seen the recording app, the transcription app, or like when you record, like it's like voice memos for, no, for Google. It. It's amazing. It can like, it live reads your, like it, sorry, it live transcribes like the conversation that's happening. And now they've just, recently updated it this was a last year feature and it just now made its way um to where it can like identify who's speaking and separate that so it's a full transcription service you can use that for so many things there are jobs literal jobs that it's like required for you to just transcribe audio and this yeah. can do it with pretty good accuracy for you so whoever's job is this is yeah. out there you should totally look into getting a pixel it can save you a ton of time um and so, yeah, I'm just in, excited to see what they come up with um, and see how it compares to Apple's update, which yeah. is set to happen in a little less than a month now. Um, iPhone 15, a couple of interesting bits of information there. Yes, yeah, so this is uh, something we've been hearing for some time, but it definitely looks like it's a little bit more nailed down now, which is the uh, six-time optical zoom with the periscope lens for the 15 Pro Max. Mm. Um, so that's double the existing telephoto. I yeah. don't know how I feel about that because I love the telephoto, but six times is, is a lot. Well, I'm guessing you'll be able to, you won't, you'll be able to go in between yes. that, you know. But the, the thing for me is I prefer the focal length of the telephoto. Mm. So I don't want to have to stand even further, like literally twice as far back. Yeah, um, but it's going to be crispier. It will be, it'll be crispier, but I, I prefer using the telephoto for portrait. Yeah. Um, so this is going this is not so good for that because I feel like the wide, the portraits are just never as good. I do often find myself even going down from the three X to like the two and being like, Oh, this is a good spot. But then the two is not technically optical. So, no, so the focal length's the same. Yeah. Um, I think that, I mean, we'll have to see it. it I understand why, because they put so much into this wide camera at this point with the 48 megapixels that we got last year. Um, and it is a great camera. I just think in terms of taking like portrait pictures of people, you can't beat the focal length of the normal telephoto. So that's my concern, at least. I actually preferred it when it was the two times telephoto yeah. um, a few generations ago. So that's something I'm intrigued to see with the 15 Pro Max. But I guess this won't be coming to the standard iPhone 15 uh, well, the iPhone 15 Pro, not the iPhone 15 Pro Max, because if the Periscope is exclusive to the Pro Max, we're getting this it like just split again. Again, I thought we were done with that. Well, it seemed so uh, last year. I mean, there's pretty complete feature parity. 
Um, but it looks like we're going to get an increasing amount of differentiation between each device to upsell people. This is like that stabilization feature all over again. What was the... Oh, sensor shift. Yeah, sensor yes. shift. Which I don't think that's an upsell <laughs> for no, anyone. But it's just like, I think it's subtle enough that if you're in the market to get the absolute best iPhone and you are in, you're interested in it, yeah. you know that you're getting something a little bit better. And for, for certain sort of prosumers, that is a little bit of a, a draw, mm -hmm. um, even though it's a, a tiny thing and realistically doesn't really make much difference. What about the iPhone 16? I don't like going above one generation more. Like I, I'm okay with talking about the 15 because that's this year. Yeah. But I usually like Ugh, 16. That's next year. That's yeah. that's next year's Dan's problem. I don't want to worry about that right now. Uh, but there is a report from German now saying that it's likely to include um, haptic buttons, which was what was supposed to happen yeah, this it, year. It, it makes sense. It makes so sense if the haptic buttons were quite far into development. They were on the the test units um at quite a, a late stage they obviously must have got quite far with this um so yeah that completely makes sense um to just delay it by one year um so i think that's really believable it's more worrying is the other rumor that we've had this week at least as far as i'm concerned which is the display size rumor oh yeah that is actually it doesn't seem like it could be big information, but it is kind of big information. Yeah. In that you're worried because you don't want it to get any bigger, but I think no. the bigger fans out there are like, yeah, let's go. Well, I, I think <clears throat> if you if you like a bigger device, what concerns me is there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but why make both devices bigger? You're offering two size options. You're offering a small one and a big one. You need to make them both bigger because the people that are buying the small one are buying it because they like it. Now, this is across the board, right? Pros yeah. and standards? Um, well, no, just the, just the pro models. Oh, well, so then you can go to the standard ones. Yeah, but I like a pro model. <laughs> well, too bad. Yeah, but then why, why offer me two display size options? I don't know. That's they like, always do this. See, this. I feel like <clears throat> the best Apple had it with display sizes. So just to, wait, so just to be clear, we're oh, yeah. talking about the iPhone 16 Pro and 16 Pro Max. Um, and the 16 Pro is expected to move from 6.1 inches on the 15 Pro, and as it has been for several generations, up to 16.3 inches, and the Pro Max to go from 6.7 to 6.9. Um, so that's 0.2 inches for each device, um, which is a pretty significant increase, considering these are already quite large devices. In my opinion. Now, is this more bezel reduction or is this actual bigger display? Uh, I think this is bigger display because this year um, with the 15 Pro, we're getting even uh, more substantial bezel reduction. It supposedly will be industry leading. Yeah. Um, so I can't imagine that will happen you again. You can't just have no bezel year. now, I'm guessing. Um, you know, it is getting to a point, uh, or at least it will be this year, where there's not a huge amount more you can... It, it's like diminishing returns um, at that point. But no, what I was going to say was... I feel like the best balance Apple had of display sizes was when they had the iPhone XR um, at 6.1 inches, which is a, it's the same size as the, the, the standard iPhone now. It's a, a very universally appealing size. It's big enough for consuming content, but small enough to be pocketable. And then with the Pro models, you have one that is even smaller at 5.8 inches, and then one that is bigger at 6.7. And I feel like that covers all bases because if you want a small iPhone and you're an enthusiast, then you've got a, an even smaller pro model. Mm -hmm. You've got a big pro model and then you've got an in the middle model for everyone. 
Yeah, um, that was the perfect balance to me. So it's it's a shame to me to see that the smallest Pro device will be six point three inches, and after they've killed the iPhone Mini form factor as well, that's a that's yeah. a shame to me. And the reason why this is worrisome is like it's not just a bigger screen, but it, if there's no display, bezels left to shrink. That means we have to elongate the body. Yes, and they'll get heavier, as and well. it'll be heavier, which. I'm hoping it gets heavier because they're putting in more. They should have more room. Well, titanium we up, will be lighter. Can so, we upgrade the battery a little bit? Yes. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that is part of this sort of mm -hmm. iPhone 16 Ultra rebranding that yeah. is also on the cards um, and moving away from the display size parity that we've got at the moment. Because, of course, <laughs> the 14 and 14 Pro lineups have the same display sizes and the same is what we're expecting for the 15 and 15 Pro. So 6.1 and 6.7 inches across both, whether you get the 14 or 14 Plus or um, 14 Pro and 14 Pro Max. Yeah. And the same with the 15s. But this would be separating the display sizes again. So we, we, we're, we're talking about even more um, display size differentiation, which, I mean, it, it's fine, but I, I just loved that 5.8 inch form factor. I was just going to say, the more and more I think about like using iPhone sizes and stuff. I only use the iPhone 14 Pro Max for its battery. Yes. It's not because I like the screen size. I would much prefer something smaller. And the iPhone 10 was just the best phone. Yeah. Well, that's, it was yeah. just the best display size and form factor in general. And it was it was light. It, it, it felt like the perfect size to me. And I do kind of miss the the curved. Yeah. Well, it, it the rounded it, edges. It had good like hand feel, especially yeah. on the. Um, the 11 Pro with the frosted glass for the mm -hmm. first time. Um, I think it's probably one of my favorite iPhones. I kind of liked the glossy back on the 10. I think I just liked everything it, about it, the 10. It, it looked it looked great, but yeah. it, it got like you know fingerprinty and yeah. Uh, the frosted felt very refreshing, in my opinion. And of course, the camera bump was smaller then as well. I feel like the design is just if if we always go bigger and, and more aggressive with the Pro models, there's only so far that can go. Right with the with the camera bump um, and the the sort of squared edges um, and the thickness. If it, every year we're getting thicker and bigger camera bumps and bigger displays, like, you know, when does it stop? Do you think it's correlated at all in any way to the um, like haptic buttons making more room a little bit? Possibly, um, yeah, that would make sense if they've got to fit three taptic engines inside. Yeah. Um, then maybe that's a consideration, or maybe it's even just that they need a larger internal battery. Yeah. Um, to facilitate that. That's what I was I was thinking about that. Like, well, they didn't do it for this year because maybe they, they didn't have time to change the whole size. So they're doing it next year and they need a little bit more room. So if you're going to make it bigger, you might as well just make the screen a little bit bigger and well, you have to make the screen a little bit bigger. And part of me does wonder if it's also just because we, we have more or less reached peak iPhone at this point um, and there's only so much you can do and Apple wants to have this differentiation to really be able to clearly show consumers a, a path from the, the, the cheapest iPhone up to the, the top. And so display sizes are a very clear indicator of that. Um, the path is foldables. Yes, that, because that, that way you get the best of both worlds. That gives you book fold, large, yes. you know, normal, large, yeah. and then flip, which gives you small to large. Just wipe them all out. Let's move to foldables now, not 2027. I, mean, I guess that's also part of the logic is there is no way Apple would make a 5.8 inch foldable mm -hmm. because the I think this like the flip is uh, the Galaxy Flip is 6.7, mm -hmm. which is the same size as the Pro Max. Um, so if they make 
they, they, to push iPhones at this point up to larger display sizes is sort of meaning that by the time maybe it is 6.9 inches is Apple's first foldable, um, if it's that form factor, um, it would make sense to, to get users used to that display size. So you, you feel like, oh, we've been using a 6.9 inch device for four years at this point, but now here's a 6.9 inch device that folds. It's familiar. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're, we're getting really speculative now. Yeah. But this is, this is, it will come around soon enough, the iPhone 16 Pro. Speaking of speculative, we never really talked, well, we did, but like, I'm still thinking about the buttons and like, okay, this year we're not getting haptic buttons, yeah. but we are getting a mute button and that has been, yeah. So there's, there's been a lot of talk about it recently that I've seen like what yeah. it can do and stuff. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. I mean, I think maybe Apple saw the potential of the action button on the Apple Watch Ultra. Um, and I, I think it also just, this this could have happened a long time ago because the mute button only performing a single function doesn't make an enormous amount of sense. I understand it more with volume buttons, but it's it's almost a bit of a waste when with a switch, it is, it's it's binary, it's on or off. But with a button, you can do long press, you can do double press. Um, you can do triple press. Yeah, I mean, you can do you can do what? quadruple. Let's yeah. get crazy. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you can you can configure that in yeah. whatever way you like and get so much more functionality out of it. Um, and it's got to be mechanically a little bit better as well because I mean I've never had a an iPhone switch go 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 bad on me, but for some people that must happen. Um, you know, is a point of mechanical failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure from a service perspective, that's also why they're maybe interested in haptic buttons and a button. Uh, in place of a switch i'm gonna be really disappointed if it is just a mute button and you can't do anything oh it's to got it. to be it's got to be something does it though so, have you ever known apple to give you something that makes the most logical sense like I think, that i think it's almost certain that it will have at least two functions it's just a question of whether they open it up completely and call it an action button and you can link it to shortcuts okay yeah i would love if we could get rid of the camera shortcuts on the lock screen yes, and make that and make that button just launch me into the camera. <laughs> well, to be fair, I have I have seen you this week several times accidentally like either turn the flashlight on or open the, right? the phone. Right? I'm not so, messing around. I, I believe you now. <laughs> I'm not messing around. <laughs> My wife does it constantly with the camera. I'm like, "Are you trying to take a picture of something?" And she's like, "Oh, I didn't even know it was on." It's, it's always does it always happens. It's it's not a it's not a problem for me. Um, well, because I'm weird and I carry my phone like but maybe in my hand. It's too big. That's 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 go, go back. It, to it is, but it's issues. the battery. I would run through battery in a heartbeat well, on anything smaller. Maybe what we need is a better MagSafe battery pack. Yeah, something that charges fast, like super fast. Like these Macs charge incredibly fast. Yes. Like I'm legitimately shocked at how fast these large Macs can charge. So let's get that going. Yeah, but. Yeah. Anything else you want to touch on before we end the episode? Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much everything for this yeah. week. It's, there's, there's been a surprisingly large amount. I mean, Final Cut has really uh, stolen the show. This yeah, week. that's really the main. We started with our main topic, and uh, I'm very much excited uh, to actually test it out and report back on whether or not I can fully use this as my, my go-to creative mobile workflow. Yeah. I sound so buzzwordy right now, but... Well, I'll be very interested to see what you think of it. All right, well... We'll catch everyone in the next episode.